And we're back. This has been one that I have been waiting for for a while. My brother, Aaron Alexander. We sit down. Uh, Aaron has a brand new book. It's actually the revamp and rekindling of an old flame. He just uh, changed up. That's him laughing in the background. So we're literally just finishing this off. Um, Phenomenal podcast. Hour and a half long. We really dove into a whole host of topics. It was really cool just to have a, a flowy, lovely conversation that, that covers a ton of shit that I find to be important, um, especially in times like this. But really, you know, as I've stated in the past, since my Red Pill solo podcast, I have wanted to gift people more um, more on the light side of what to do now. And... Uh, part of that is psychology based. Part of that is based in the body. Part of that is based on practices and relationship and all sorts of stuff. And we really cover so much of that ground in this podcast. I, I, I just fucking love it. I love Aaron. Uh, we'll link in the show notes to his book that's on pre-sale right now on all things optimization of the meat suit. And um, there's a number of other links that we'll have. So check those out in the show notes. We will also link to our sponsors right now. Check these guys out. We've got uh, a couple new ones. These these sponsors really make this show possible. So by supporting the sponsors, you support this podcast directly. And every sponsor that I have, I hand select because they are awesome. And I also want to stand firmly behind anyone that I support on this podcast. I'm not reading off, uh, you know, some some national uh uh, ad routine. You know, I, I, I once had that where the guys were having me read for companies that I had no relationship with. And I was like, this ain't going to work. So I ended up, um, parting ways with, uh, that sponsor company. And I work with friends who know exactly what the fuck I want. And we, you know, I still say no often, but, um, we've got some great, great guys that we've got sponsoring here. So check it out. Quick shout out to our sponsor, Optimal Carnivore. Organ meats are some of the most nutrient-dense foods on the planet. Our ancestors prized organ meats for their vital properties. The founders understood the amazing benefits of eating organ meats, but found it difficult to source a variety of high-quality organ meat. They disliked the process of preparing them and trying to make them tasty. This is crucial. I mean, I've, I've had, um, you know, raw liver, raw kidney, raw testicle. I've had a lot of raw organs, and they're highly beneficial, but... You know, as they said, they're they're hard to source, they're not readily available, and they don't really taste good. You know, I'll be perfectly honest, it's an acquired taste that I have not acquired. Um, but I still do understand the importance of consuming them. And so do these guys. They started sourcing 100% grass-fed organ meats from New Zealand, freeze-drying the organs and encapsulating them into convenient bovine gelatin capsules. They chose New Zealand because it is a pure source, a pristine land with rich soil, lush greenery, and one of the cleanest environments on earth. Their products are 100% grass-fed and grass-finished and free of hormones, pesticides, antibiotics, and genetically modified organisms. They currently have a grass-fed organ complex that contains nine different organs and a grass-fed liver product. Liver, of course, being one of nature's most uh, abundant powerhouses from a micronutrient standpoint. Uh, The nine different organs is a powerful combination including beef liver, brain, thymus, heart, kidney, spleen, pancreas, lung, and gallbladder. 
This covers quite a few of the bases. These products are perfect for people who are traveling or still trying to develop an appreciation for organ meats. It covers your bases at home or while traveling. The mission at Optimal Carnivore is to make it easy for people to consume the most nutrient-dense foods on the planet. They also plant one tree for every product sold, which helps the environment. Check it out. Visit www.amazon.com slash Optimal Carnivore and use code KINGSBOO10 to receive 10% off all products. Of course, we will link to that in the show notes. We are also brought to you by Organifi. Organifi is a line of organic superfood blends that offer plant-based nutrition with high-quality ingredients and less than 3 grams of sugar. This is a big deal. I know uh, Drew Canoli, who's been on the podcast, the founder of Organifi, um, he really got into the juicing scene back in the day. And that was something that I had done with my wife. Uh, we watched Fat, Sick, and Nearly Dead and started juicing a ton. And, you know, one of the problems with juicing, in particular fruits, is that you're basically unlocking all of the sugar without the fiber. And uh, even though there's, you know, micronutrients and other goodies in there, uh, if you want to make juice taste good, it certainly comes at a cost of health because you're, you're just dumping a shit ton of fructose in there, into your body. And that's no good for anybody. Even if you uh, primarily eat plants, that's still not the move. Uh, if you're doing primarily green juices, don't, don't necessarily taste that good. And they're a complete pain in the ass to chop and, and chop, chop, and clean everything that you've got going in there. So um, really, you know, when Organifi came along, uh, see a need, fill a need. These guys started with Roots and Transformational Coaching, and they discovered the power of mindset and community in creating sustainable change. And one of their goals was to give people something healthy that they could take with them that would round out their diet and include, you know, a number of different superfoods that even when I was juicing, I wasn't including Moringa or Ashwagandha or many of the superfoods that they have in the Organifi Greens. I talk about the green juice often, and that's because it's something I have absolutely every day. I mix it with Kratom. I don't take it with Kratom. I take it fucking every day no matter what. On this road trip that I did with Bear and Tosh and uh, Wolfie, we, we were in an RV, and I'm sitting for a long period of time. So I'd, I'd have the greens because ashwagandha is an adaptogen that balances cortisol levels, and meaning if I'm not actually you know, moving my body and effectively moving stress out of my body even though we'd stop at truck stops and do a little movement practices, this is one of the ways that I would stay even keel. It's one of the ways that I'd balance for not an imperfect night of sleep, sleeping in mom's attic in the RV. Uh, it's, it's a phenomenal way. And, and, you know, it's a phenomenal way to get really high-density nutrients into your body. And it just takes 30 seconds. No chopping, shopping, juicing, or blending. No cleaning. As I've mentioned, it's got a, a whopper of, of many of these different superfoods and adaptogens. I use this on a daily basis. I also use, not quite on a daily, but pretty damn often, I use the turmeric gold at night. Sometimes if I eat a big heavy meal, I don't want it, but that's because I make the turmeric gold extra fatty. Uh, we use full-fat coconut cream from the can. We warm that up, a little hot water, and uh, a scoop or two. Sometimes I have two of the turmeric gold. And it's an excellent way to lower inflammation. It's got lemon balm extract. It just helps me unwind. It's a, it's a tasty, super tasty nightcap. Our one-year-old loves it. Our six-year-old loves it. Uh -huh. My wife and I absolutely love it. And they have a number of other really cool products that they've just launched. Harmony, which is based for women and the moon cycle and many other great things. Check it all out at www.organifi.com slash KKP. And don't forget to code KKP at checkout for 20% off everything in the store. We're also brought to you by Bioptimizers and their incredible product, P3OM. 
Winter, a.k.a. sick season, is upon us, and we all know this is the time of year to take extra care to protect ourselves from germs and bacteria, these invisible bad guys. You can do everything right, wash your hands, keep your hands away from your face, carry around hand sanitizer, but you still get sick. That's why you need to protect your body from the inside, not just the out, and you can do that by building your immune system up with some high-quality and high-strength probiotics. That's why I'm really excited about P3OM. P3OM is a patented probiotic that might be the most effective probiotic ever developed. P3OM fights bacteria and strengthens immunity, basically a germ-fighting superhero, but it also helps digestion, speeds up metabolism, and increases energy throughout the day. That's way more than I thought probiotics could do. And just when I thought P3OM couldn't get any more powerful, I watched a video, which I'll link to in the show notes here, of the probiotic literally breaking down a piece of steak. After I saw that, I was all in. You'll be amazed too. Check it out. Here's some of the most awesome news. You can get 10% off P3OM right now by going to www.p3om.com slash radically loved and applying the coupon code radically loved 10. That is R-A-D-I-C-A-L-L-Y-L-O-V-E to get 10% off with the coupon code radically loved 10. Check it out. We'll link to it all in the show notes, p3om.com slash radically loved, and then radically loved 10 for 10% off the most amazing probiotic ever developed. Last but not least, we're brought to you by Paleo Valley. Paleovalley.com has all sorts of amazing stuff. They make incredible supplements. Um Really high-end things, but the thing that impresses me the most is, and the thing that's the tastiest is the Paleo Valley beef sticks. Their beef sticks are 100% grass-fed and grass-finished. Many on the market claim grass-fed, but they are actually finished on grains, and oftentimes these grains contain pesticides and herbicides and are the, they themselves genetically modified. They source their beef from small domestic farms right here in the United States of America. They use real organic spices to flavor their beef sticks versus conventional spices sprayed with pesticides or natural flavors often made from GMO corn. They ferment their sticks, which creates natural occurring probiotics, which are great for gut health. And they taste absolutely amazing and are a great protein snack on the go. So again, on this road trip, I feasted on this. This was my in-between. This was my everyday snack was the beef sticks. And they have a wide variety of killer flavors from teriyaki, which is gluten-free, of course. Um, to jalapeno, to their original beef stick, and many others. The benefits of the beef stick have higher levels of omega-3 fatty acids, higher levels of vitamins and minerals, higher levels of glutathione, which is the liver's most powerful antioxidant in the body, higher levels of CLA, conjugated linoleic acid, which is the fat known to burn fat, and very bioavailable protein. They're also keto-friendly and a great protein-rich snack on the grab-and-go. And even when I'm not on the road, I've, I've always got a stack of these in my backpack. So when I come into work and I've got my laptop and my other things, if I get hungry, I know I've got a snack right next to me that is nutritious and delicious and will leave me more whole than when I started. Check it all out, paleovalley.com, and use discount code KYLE for 15% off. These are also great for uh, doomsday prep. You know, if you want something in the pantry that's easy to go that you can take with you and that'll last a very long time in its sleeve, paleovalley.com discount code kyle 15% off and without further ado my brother aaron alexander we're saving some recording i don't want to miss anything i don't you mean don't to need push to, us you don't need to clap there's no there's no video element the clap <laughs> you thought that's only for video <laughs> it's to, it's to balance the sound of the outside of the room 
Really? Yeah, it's background noise. It lines up to the video well. Oh. If when you're doing matching it to video, that's good for the clap too. Dude, Kyle Kingsbury, audio technical technician. Yeah, you know, I know a couple things here in the game for a while. That's good. Dude, um you, you need a you need a pipe right now. Is that would be lovely. You know, Ob bought me a pipe at the last Fit for Service event. Um there's a guy who's a I think he's a member who burns wood. So instead of carving wood, he uses no sharp tools whatsoever. He only uses torch. And he fucking burns wood into shapes that look like um, Grandmother Oak in Pocahontas. You remember that show, movie? Mm-hmm. It's like the Mother Oak that speaks to Pocahontas. Yeah. That's what it looks like. It looks ridiculous. You know, like it, it, you see like the faces come through. Anyways, he made Ob this... Um, this dope ass wizard staff, like Gandalf staff with a fucking crystal at the top, and it's it's super cool. And he's like, "Hey, he's gonna." I was like, "This is the coolest shit I've ever seen." It's you know, it's it's the most magical instrument I've ever seen. And um, and he's like, "The guy's gonna be here. He's got a he's got a whole lineup of things. He got pipes, um, caripes for hape. Also, and I was like, whoa, all right. So we went through, and then I saw this. Stra- I mean, there was some cool stuff, but." The one that really spoke to me was a tobacco pipe that was um, probably only a foot long, straight, and it just had this old man's face burned into it with cheeks, the nose, the mustache coming down. Um, And then his head was the bull, and then like a a third eye was the, um, what do they call it, shaman stone, which basically looks kind of like clear quartz. it's fucking rad, though. So that one spoke to me, and he gifted me that, which was very sweet. I always appreciate a gift that I'll use. And uh, it makes an excellent talking stick, too, and you've got to have the deep, hard conversations. Mm. We've had a couple of those. Uh, not me and Ab, but deep, hard conversations, you know, within the tribe. And that, that certainly is a fucking rad talking stick to make sure everyone gets to say what they want to say first, and then you pass the mic. Yeah, I was talking. <clears throat> Do you know Aaron Dowdy? You ever connected him before? No. Kind of like big YouTube channels all about like spiritual stuff. Um, but it's like, it's like actionable spiritual information about like laws of attraction and stuff like that. Anyway, so we recorded a podcast yesterday. And one of the things that we were talking about was how lovely it would be to be in a world, which this world could be now if you choose it, uh, where we were allowing ourselves to gather more information from nature kind of like like native americans i think seem to be really good about this or a lot of you know older indigenous, cultures indigenous yeah. people aboriginals all of them yeah you know and so so you, know, you see a relating like the coyote to be like oh it's like the gesture you know it's like mischievous trickster energy trickster energy or you know all these different animals throughout nature you have this significance to the way they imprint in your in your life um and and the lessons that you can gather from them whereas it's interesting presently I feel like, I don't know, most people, me, are lar- largely divorced from that relationship. And most of the information that I gather comes from, you know, books or like a flat blue lit screen, mm-hmm. you know, in my in coming out of my phone or on a TV screen. And just what an interesting world that would be. And we're really like your input predominantly comes from nature. Like yeah. the lessons that you gather comes from nature and what that what, what that what that does to the mind. It's uh, it's interesting. The more I've shifted towards that from thanks to plant medicines and and the first medicine man I worked with, uh, 
Maestro Huizzi, who passed away, my boxing coach, he, he really reconnected me to that and a lot of Native American wisdom. He was a mestizo Mayan and um, Mexican-American. And he, he really started to let that trickle in and the medicine really opened that whole world up. Like actually, like the, the firm gnosis of animism, that all things are not only created from the same source, but they're all animated. They all have soul. They all have an aliveness to them. The inanimate is animated. And so paying attention to cues like that, um, the whole world of synchronicity opens up. You know, like Jung, Jung really points us to that. And I think if we're listening, conversation I've had with Godzi many times is on when we're in alignment with our intuition, when we say yes to the gut and we follow the daemon or the high self, whatever that calling is, more and more we see synchronicity show up. And because of my relationship with nature, um, more and more that comes from direct from nature. So like these synchronicities happen, I'll be thinking about something that I'm pretty certain is an important thing to track, but I'm not sure. And then fucking boom, uh, uh, Cooper's Hawk flies by and gives me a, ha. Ah, you know, and yeah. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I think it's, it, most people would say like, ah, oh, coincidence or some shit like that. But when you understand it, it's, it becomes so undeniable that you really don't look at the world the same again. Yeah, there's uh, Jack White. He has a he had a a thing where he's talking about the transition from analog music to digital left people hungry for like the full texture of of sound that they would get while they're listening to music. So when it converts over to digital, you're getting these like clips that are smashed mm -hmm. together to be able P to. Parangi talks about that even like through Spotify, mm -hmm. it's ramped down, and then if it's played to a Bluetooth speaker, it's ramped down further. Yeah. The packets, right? Yeah. And so when you think of it, so the the suggestion there, which seems to hold some level of weight, is that it it leaves people with this like this like deprivation or this internalized subconscious hunger for something more, but they don't really know exactly what it is. And so I wonder if there's something to that because I feel like something I, I experience oftentimes is like a certain level of like restlessness or a certain level of like wanting more but not knowing exactly what that is or like this insatiability or like this hungry ghost it's type a, sensation. It's the thirst for... Do you know what hungry ghost is? Are you familiar with yeah, that? Yeah, with that uh, Gabra Mate. Yeah, hungry ghost is like a, like a, these mythological creatures that have these tiny little little gullets, throats, and then these these you know infinitely large stomachs and so they just keep on feeding and feeding but they never can feel satiated and i wonder if perhaps just as we're just like thinking about this now um if perhaps there's some relationship to that with us getting these like partial these like supplement forms of visual information and and knowledge and such from these screens and from these podcasts and from these Spotify music as opposed to gathering that from like the whole food source of, of nature or analog music. Yeah. I mean, that was the first, the first real, my first 12 ayahuasca ceremonies were done from an iPod and I just didn't know the difference, you know, or, or sex is another example of that, like human connection compared to porn. Yeah. Like there's so many different replacement examples of that, of that, where we can just like, cool. What I would have at one point just, you know, the only option would have been the whole food version of it. Now there's all these other substitutes and they're so darn convenient. I, they are very convenient. I think that they're ultimately a good thing because, um, there's a deeper appreciation. So my, like I was saying, the first 12 Aya on an iPod didn't know 
curanderos sang Icaros. I'd only read about it. You know, I'd never felt that. And then um, going, you know, to South America and Central America to do ceremonies where they were singing live. And in a lot of them, you know, in, in, in the non-traditional practices, they'd have traditional medicine from Shipibo style, things like that. But they'd play guitar and all sorts of shit. I mean, one of the most mind-blowing journeys I talked about years ago on Ops Podcast was with a guy named Lee Nar in Las Vegas. And he was uh, in his late 20s. He had been practicing with the medicine since he was five. His grandmother brought him to it. She was a, a maestra from five or 10. And um, he could sing a cappella as good as anyone I had ever heard. He could play any fucking instrument. He had a... Uh, he asked, you know, the, the, the helpers to gather as many different instruments as possible. And, and he, it was funny because he played the harmonica like better than Billy Joel. And he said he'd only seen a drawing of a harmonica his entire life up until that point. And it was just like, what the fuck is this dude? Um, but that to me was like the, oh, okay, there is a huge difference between the analog and the digital. And it's obviously when you're, you don't need ayahuasca to figure that out, but when you open up all those channels, the sensitivity and receptivity to the difference is palpable. It's like it's non-negotiable. And so now I'll never do ayahuasca again <laughs> from an iPod. It's, you know, like I, I have no judgment against those experiences. That's where I, my wife and I saw Bear. It's where we realized we were going to be life partners. Like all those things happened with an iPod playing. So it didn't diminish. Um, but there really is no comparison. And I think really, you know, what we're being called towards now um, is a decision. It doesn't mean we throw the baby out with the bathwater. Technology is dope. Like my, our careers serve mostly through technology, right? We both host awesome podcasts. Um, we've both learned a ton of shit via technology. Oh yeah. You know, like, I mean, it's a ton of it. It's um, like an integration of consciousness. Yeah, but, like, but the further that path goes, I mean, that kind of leads to what David Icke's speaking about. It kind of leads to, not kind of, it does lead to the transhumanist movement. Um, and we don't need to rabbit hole that. I'm going to have Ike on January 10th, and uh, I'm, I'm definitely going to rabbit hole that with him there. Catherine Austin Fitz, who worked for the government, has really exposed kind of what that looks like. Um, but... Aside from that, table that, the opposite of that. What is the opposite of that is a reconnection to nature. It's a reconnection to ourselves. It's a reconnection to live meetings. You know, we had Charles Eisenstein out for our second Fit for Service of the Year in, in uh, Dripping Springs, Texas. And, and he, was, he was at a point where he was like, I, I understand the value in podcasting, but nothing replaces this. Nothing replaces the face-to-face -face gathering. You know, 200 people, 300 people, five people. It doesn't matter what that number is. It's the in-person, right? And I know this. We know this both from podcasting. Like, I'll take a guess any way I can get them. I got to get David Icke via online across the pond. But you're here in Austin, which has been a huge fucking just nod, God nod, as I like to call them. I'm like, fuck yeah, dude, more of my boys are here. <laughs> um, but when we're face-to-face, -face, we, what do we do? We hug in the parking lot. Like yeah. we immediately merge our energy fields. We feel into each other. And now this entire conversation, with it, we're within eight feet of each other. And we're mirroring each other. Yeah, brother. And we're just feeling into each other right now. And that conversation, there's a depth 
that goes beyond the digital for me and you in this experience right now. Yeah. And it's not to say like, for everyone listening to this, you're missing out. No, you get this conversation still, and that's the beauty of technology. But it's not a replacement for you having your own one-on-one conversations and you having your own gatherings, especially around Christmas. Yeah. All this nonsense going around whitehouse.gov, <laughs> fuck that. Fuck that. Meet for Christmas. No yeah. one's going to die, you know? There's a, an interesting thing with when people are essentially pe- people listen to this, it's like you're listening to a story. And when people listen to stories, even if they're not in the same room, they'll have this uh, synchronization of their physiology. So their heart rates will synchronize to each other, essentially. So when you are listening to, say, like last night I watched The Christmas Story, which I used to watch that like every year multiple times. I haven't seen that since I was a kid. Is Holy, it worth watching? It's so good. It's okay. so good. It's, it's like what really makes it excellent is it hits on all those small little details of your life growing up that you didn't really notice, and then it highlights them, and you're like, oh, like that was me. Ah, that that was me. And I think it does that for, you know, millions of people across the world. Everyone's saying, oh, that was me. You know, and so it it, it has this, like, visceral, emotional connection to, you know. Hell yeah. Your, Bear's your never childhood. seen it. We watched the Dude, Grinch, the so, Jim so Carrey Grinch a couple nights opinion. ago. We watched White Christmas. He loves that. Yeah. Oh, but so hold on. This, this, this synchronization thing, it's, uh, that, I think that's, it's such a, a, a beautiful thing. If you were to take your heart rate, you know, and 500 people's heart rates as they're watching the Christmas story, there would be a consistent pattern of the way that our hearts are, are, are beating. It synchronizes in relationship to that story that we're watching or to that song that we're listening to. You know, and when we're hanging out here, naturally, uh, you know, you can see we're like mirroring each other's postural positions. And similar thing will happen with pupils, the size of our, our, our pupils will become consistent. Our heart rates become consistent. Even body temperatures can fluctuate to become consistent. You know, you hear like women menstruating around the similar time, depending yeah. on like who like the alpha is. I think we've joked about this before. I think I claim to be the alpha, the alpha woman. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone, everyone falls in line with your monthly cycle, Aaron. <laughs> you hang around with enough ladies, they're all, they're all on Aaron's timeline. <laughs> but I think that that's like, I think that's what we're doing in, it makes us feel like we're not so fucking alone. Yeah. You know, and so listening to those stories, the reason that they're like these perennial classics that you talk about 40 years after they're made, I think is it makes you feel not so alone. It makes you feel connected to something larger than yourself. You know, when we're with someone else, we're, it's kind of like, it's almost like we're having sex in a way. You know, like when you're having sex with a person, it's like you're, you're merging. You know, if you're really connected with the person, it's like you might literally just become one being during that time frame if you're a little less you might you know it's a little less but i think that that's it's it's like coming back to something it's like this unicity sensation we're seeking this unicity sensation and then we're back into duality and then back into unicity it's like this oscillation but just having a conversation with someone if you just allow yourself to be you know moved as opposed to forcing yourself into some kind of container like forcing the conversation just you know surrender to the moment with someone, then you start to slip into that unicity, you know, which I think feels really good. And with full presence, right? Yeah. Like when you're not distracted, when there's, I mean, that's, that's, uh, Rogan talked about this for years, is still likely talking about it. 
how much different the podcast conversation is when you're on the same comfort level. Obviously, you know, like I, I was nervous as all hell being on his podcast, but how many times did you do his podcast? Just twice. Okay. But for us, like we uh-huh. are close ass friends, right? And have been for some time from the jump. And so the automatically when we see each other, like I'm thrilled to see you. Yeah. You're just, I think you're thrilled to see me. Yeah, and, and so, um, the flow that takes place and the ease that takes place and the presence that takes place is truly on a different level than um, if we've got a lot of shit going on. And look, I'll say this about myself too. I'm not speaking about other people. If I, if you came over to my house and bears running around demanding your attention and Tasha's trying to tell you something and I'm doing dishes and all this, you know what I'm saying? Like it doesn't have to necessarily be a screen. There's a lot going on, but to dedicate time for a conversation is, is really fucking rad. That's what mm-hmm. keeps me going. You know, yeah. it's like, it's, it's one of the many things that keeps me going. Yeah. I think I want to keep, uh, I'm like, you hold the thread, brother. Unfurling these layers of my, which which is why I enjoy these conversations because it's like an opportunity to go into places that, um, like, oh, I don't know that I've been here, Um, but I I feel like that unicity sensation opens up the potential for healing at a deeper mental, emotional, cellular, structural level. You know, it's like so it's that 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 probably you know ninety eight percent of people listening to this have experienced some breathwork experience or maybe some psychedelic experience or some, you know, something that where they got out of their minds enough and they started to witness this deeper intelligence start to come through. And suddenly their jaw starts going in some weird direction or their face does a weird thing or their shoulder starts kind of doing these weird spiral positions or you're undulating your spine or, you know, whatever the thing is. You know, you just you feel this deeper compulsion because you got out of the way of who you think you are supposed to be or what you think you're supposed to think or do or and then suddenly this deeper intelligence is able to come through. And that just any time we can put ourselves into that position, I feel like it's like like a system reboot for our nervous system. And so that unicity, I think we subconsciously or maybe consciously, but at least subconsciously, are seeking these unicity moments because we're seeking to repair these old things. You know, it could just be like, oh, I had a hard workout yesterday. Or it could be like, oh, I was, you know, had some deep trauma when I was two, you know, or in my mom's womb. Or the connective, the collective trauma of the last year and a half. Yeah. And so when we're, when we're, when we permit ourselves, when we feel safe enough to go into that space, of, and I'm saying unicity. <clears throat> I try to avoid, as you know, like words that could be like ambiguous or fluffy. But I think unicity is a good one. You know, it's like like connecting with the reality that you go beyond your own skin bag. Mm-hmm. You know, which yeah. I which I, I also think the skin bag is very valuable and it's beautiful. It's like and it's a miracle. So I don't like downplay the skin bag, the epidermis. <laughs> you know, the walls of your skin. Um, but when we can oscillate into that, I think it really truly is. It's, it's like a, it's, it presents the opportunity to heal, which is pretty fucking like rad. Yeah. And, and beyond healing, you know, like Kalindi, I was a, a great teacher, you know, of mine that I, I, I thankfully got to speak to one, one cell phone call talking about having on the podcast before he passed away. Um, he was the, the impetus for me doing 30 grams of penis envy. You know, I have the, the highest respect for this guy. But he, he um, sorry, bring me back to what you were just talking about. Healing through unicity. Healing, yeah. One of the things he was and saying. And the value of duality. Yeah. Both are great. Both are super an, It's important. an oscillation. Yeah. You, you dip back and forth. And one of the things he was saying is, you know, 
ayahuasca and all these tools are, are fantastic tools for healing. And then once you get to a place of having been healed, the reason psilocybin was his favorite was because there's no ceiling to the upper limit of that. And it's not like 15, you know, it's, a lot of people are like, oh, I'm sure after 10 grams, it's all the same. It's not. It's absolutely not. He said that. I can verify it um, from my own and, and plenty of others that have had, you know, larger doses. But the, the point being that um, circling this back away from medicines and just to the unicity, once we have done the healing work, there still is a driver to bring us back to unicity because we can forget in the, the maze of being lost and I'm separate from you, I'm different from you, I believe something different from you um, as a way to, for God to know itself. And the return to unicity is the refresher of the, oh yeah, okay, all is fucking perfect, right? And no matter how fucking strange and wacky the world seems to be right now in this transitionary phase that we're in, um, I can rest back in the divine perfection. I can rest back in the knowing that I'm always held. And that can be um, maybe, maybe just more of an energetic reset or an energetic reminder and refresher that, that continues to push me through and allow me to, to get more out of life rather than dragging my heels through a lot of the shit that, that seems to be afoot. How did you feel when you were holding 30 grams of, and if people aren't familiar with what penis envy mushrooms are, they're like, really effing powerful yeah they're like what were they they, they originally engineered by terence mckenna or something mm -hmm. like the that. mckenna brothers created them yeah yeah um when you're holding that in your hand where is your mind at and i i don't know that this is recommended for like hardly anyone i don't i, I don't but, after talking to East forest i don't think five grams is recommended for right. everyone but right? just out of curiosity like like wingsuiting probably not that highly recommended you know a lot of people die doing it but Base for the person, yeah. <laughs> for the per wing sitting specifically, yeah, you know, because you're like, and especially if you're, if you're, I think it's like called proximity flying, if you're getting really close to objects, because your mind isn't uh, situated or or or, or trained uh, to understand if you're going a hundred and however fast or 150 miles an hour, or whatever whatever speed they're going, and you see a wall coming, a rock coming, your brain hasn't been trained, you haven't done reps to know that proximity and how fast that comes up. Anyways, that's just, that's, just that's like actually an excellent, an excellent analogy because, um, you know, Kalindi's recommendation was to go up two grams at a time until you were comfortable. And then, then if you make it to 20 to 30, which was his general range for 20 years, then you can play there, right? You can explore the cosmos. And that's something that he, was asking for it. it. When I got introduced to him, it was right along the same time I read the DMT dialogues and you know, you've had Rick Strassman on your podcast. One of the things that they really propose in that is how do we stretch the DMT experience so that we can take back that we can actually go there, um, bump into, uh, benevolent beings that are willing to help and then take back that information and actually use it and ground it in the 3D. And, uh, you know, how do we have communications with other star nations or, or inter, you know, dimensional beings and things of that nature and actually ground it here so it becomes useful information instead of just a wow-wee. And, um, you know, in that experience, I realized by the end of it, like, that's the answer. You don't need a fucking IV drip DMT. You have a large enough amount of psilocybin, which is very similar um, in structure to dimethyltryptamine, that's the experience. But as you were saying, for me, there was no reps to say like, 
oh, here's this rock wall coming, right? And thankfully, I had enough reps with ayahuasca and, and other medicines to have taught myself um, successfully how to surrender the experience. And so even though I went through some really hellish places, I was, you know, as quiet as a church mouse, just laying there in the experience out of my body. Um, one thing I recognized in that and what gives me caution in talking about it is that that is an experience where you run and jump out of a window. That is an experience where you're like, I can't die. I'm immortal. That is an experience where, you know, you, you, uh, I mean, I took a cold shower and didn't really feel it on my skin. And it was like, Hmm, this is after the experience too. And it was like, okay. Uh, you know, if I continue to test that, do I put a knife through my hand or light myself on fire? I mean, there's a whole fucking, if you, if you weren't, if I wasn't dialed to understand that I could potentially still be having an altered state of consciousness, people do some, some crazy things, you know, they go run it on the street, set themselves on fire. They do all sorts of shit, you know? So it's not a, it's not a strong recommendation, but it, that is a beautiful example of that, of uh, what you're speaking to with, you know, truly not having the reps to really understand what's going on. But the thing about that experience it, that, that is true, I think, of any breakthrough experience, which could be a gram, you know, it could be uh, a different meta, it could be breath work, right? It could be holotropic breathing, is that it's more real than the waking dream we're living in right now. It is at least just as real. It's the fucking holy shit. Like, I am fully aware, fully conscious. It's not dumbing down consciousness like alcohol does or Percocet, or any of these other, you know, Valium, things like that, shit I used to do in college, um, the awareness is such where it's an expansion of awareness, so I'm able to take on more, and it's as real as, and it doesn't feel like, oh man, that was a weird dream, you know, we have, we have some dreams that are like, damn, that was a vision, I need to write that down, and then other dreams where it's like, what the fuck was that, that was weird, but it still seemed dreamlike, in 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 a lot of my journeys that are breakthrough level at various doses, um, the appearance is that it is a lived experience. You know, the first vision I had on ayahuasca, I became my mother and watched a time lapse grow of my belly with Kyle in it, and I felt all the nerves and pressure of being a mom for the first time and only being 21 years old and wanting to do it right and not be like my parents as her. I was her. And it was undeniable, you know, and my, and my dad would come, my husband as my dad would come over and kiss the belly to give Kyle love. And I'd feel that wash through my body into his, into Kyle's. Like, that's a lived experience. It wasn't like I was a fly on the wall watching it. Like, I, I was, became my mom. And um, experiences like that are just, they're undeniable and unforgettable, you know. And I think that's that's one of the beautiful things about those. But... Again, that's a reconnection to a greater awareness that stretches beyond my, my brain in the meat suit that I have. And we can microdose that in the ocean surfing. We can microdose that in a yoga class. We can microdose that like going in the forest and fucking just hanging out, watching nature do its thing. You know, and I think that's, that's this big draw is that as we immerse ourselves in technology and don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, that we rekindle the relationship with nature and understand its importance in our lives as the analog versus the digital. Yeah. Yeah. There's uh rereading the, the four agreements right now, which I'm, I'm, I know that you've, you've so good for it talks about the, the mitote, I think is how you, you say that it's, it's like essentially the same as like Maya, like, like the illusion. 
the dream that we're living in. One of the things that it's, I think it referred to the metote as a it was it's like a thousand people talking at the same time and no one actually can understand each other. It's like that's that's like the experience of the mind, and it's just this just chatter. <laughs> And then, so they refer to that as like the, you know, they call it like the, the smoke in the mirror. You know, so that chatter is the smoke. And most of us occupy that, that, that smoke layer. And we call that to be all there ever is and all there ever was. That's like the materialistic mindset. And then the opportunity to experience, to see the reflection of yourself in somebody else, to actually be able to like see the mirror. That's that unicity experience, which is what, the the breath works and the psychedelics or even just going out into the woods and just like taking a beat you know like you can have that experience just by like having a moment sitting on the edge of a rock you know and like listening to water or just starting and that's why i think hunting is such a beautiful thing yeah buddy you know you, yeah, you, you know, especially especially bow hunting which i've only been on one trip i went to hawaii like a year ago or so axis yeah so it's special it's yeah. so special i've done it only once it's so really, cool. really unforgettable, especially because of how serene Hawaii is. But I, I was just having a conversation in the sauna yesterday at Kuya uh, with a guy who hadn't been hunting. We, you know, we were talking about some of the sacred hunts that Monsel puts together. I know we're gearing up to do that next year, but with everything going on at the farm, it's got to be later. And then I was talking about this hunt that we did in Hunt, Texas, which is about two hours west, and they have all these different majestic animals. And, um, you know, it dawned on me that it's, 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 it connects the dots of almost every practice we have, right? It connects the dots of meditation, mindfulness and presence, uh, cardio, strength training, um, balancing, like how do we exact that in the moment, right? Because I can go get sex and reps in the gym, but how I perform when it counts, you know, that matters, right? Like if you're spinning someone while you're floating them, you're, you're zeroed in on every part of the body awareness of yourself and them so they don't fall and break their neck. I was talking about acro yoga. Yeah, and when, when <laughs> I was fighting, like, I, I had to zero in so that I wouldn't break my neck, you know? And, and, and so there's very few moments now that I'm retired where I actually have an impetus to draw all systems of wisdom into one, right? Like, and that, that's, that's one of the coolest things about hunting is you're zeroed in, you're quiet, you're still, you're still, even as you're tracking quietly, you're patient. Uh, the mind can wander, but the better you circle back to the still point, the better you get at hunting and listening. Because if you're in your head, you're not listening. Um, and then the physical act, you know, a, a compound bow isn't like it's fucking a walk in the park to get that <laughs> thing drawn back. And Unless you get a new Hoyt RX-5. <laughs> is that the it's fucking crazy. move? It is that feels, the move? Did like, you get one from Tyler? Yeah. Oh, wow. I just got one like maybe a month ago or so. That's so dope. It's, it's pretty interesting that it's still the same 70-pound uh, weight. Yeah. Um, but it feels like it's like 15 pounds easier to pull. Wow. Yeah. That's the way it felt to me. And there's a chance I hadn't shot for probably like two or three months well, so now you're yoked bro so it was probably just the 15 extra pounds there's a on chance your, on your rear delt there's a chance that i'm slightly stronger hopefully that that's it but it was it was interesting to see like the, the technology of the, the yeah. cams and such like wow and then you gotta nail it right yeah. i mean i've missed i missed on a um on a sow on big island 
at 43 yards because it was moving. And um, I've spoken about this before in a podcast, but you really, you know, you want to have an ethical kill for many reasons. But if you do miss and it still hits, um, that's a sound that doesn't leave you. You know, like that, that squeal of a pig was fucking unforgettable. It was gnarly. I mean, it was gut-wrenching. And I, so I ran to this animal. And you're not supposed to run up on animals, but it was a small, small pig. And I ran to finish it off because it was like the, the, the scream was something that I just, I was like, oh, I got to put this out of its misery now. Wow. And um, thankfully, I was able to quickly. But um, that experience is one where it's a, a visceral experience of why you practice and only take the right shot, you know? Yeah. And so for me, like I, since then I've, I've, I've drawn down many times without taking a sh- shot that I think isn't going to land perfectly. And, and that was the baked in experience and the visceral experience of, of why that happens. So I don't have an unethical kill. It's kind of like, this is a, a, a weird, uh, maybe borderline inappropriate analogy but it's, it's, <laughs> let's go let's go inappropriate but it's it's kind of like relationship in a way i mean it absolutely is a relationship obviously a relationship to the animal you're hunting but um if you are irresponsibly engaging in relationship with someone and there's exposure to deeper levels of themselves you know, like their heart and vulnerability and past wounding and trauma and insecurities and all that and they're you know starting to be willing to like put those on the table for you for you to hold it and you not having adequate training um, or attention or, or care to that experience you will perhaps end up being kyle you know running after a you know a squealing being <laughs> because of you because of your inappropriate aim you know yeah. and the way that you approach that relationship yeah and I know that's a kind of a weird thing. No, it's that's, like that's predator perfect. prey, but I think yeah. there is, you know, if you get out of those ideas, I think there's some there's something to that. I mean, you brought up Don Miguel Ruiz uh, in Mastery of Love is such a perfect book. He, I think he brings this up in Four Agreements as well, but he talks about, you know, we we all work we because of the trauma of humanity, we're covered in scabs that are invisible. And we know where each other's scabs are, especially in the closest relationships. And we walk right up and accidentally or unconsciously scratch a scab to expose a wound and the response is I'm going to scratch your scab and expose your wounds because I know exactly where your buttons are and this gets repeated if we're unconscious at infinitum you know it's only when we step back to realize you are the divine mirror we are one and we hold a a greater awareness of what the container is and it doesn't mean I'm perfect in relationship, but I've, I've obviously fucked up so many times in so many relationships that I can see the difference now in my relationship with, with my wife, Natasha, and that the moment we got together and we had infinite work to do, especially in the first year we were together, the thing, the thread that held it together was that we both wanted to grow together. We were both willing to say yes to the unknown. We both, you know, had ayahuasca for the first time together. All of these, these things, we both read, you know, Mastery of Love chapter by chapter out loud to one another and would talk at the end of each chapter about, you know, how it is, what do we think about this? Are we in alignment with it right now? How, what do we need to do? What steps are necessary to actually embody what, what Don Miguel Ruiz is talking about? And so there's been countless other ways where we've, unified and continued to work because all relationships are work 
And I think that goes into the, the practice, right? Like we got to practice on a target with the bow many, many, many times just to feel comfortable enough to shoot the, the live moving target with the, all the excitement and the slowing of the breath and all the other things that come down like, oh, this is real. I've been hitting a heavy bag my whole life and now I'm in a, in a fight, right? It's a totally different experience. And I think, um, you know, all of the practice of reading these things, these, these relationship books or working with coaches or doing anything, the alchemy of that is in the fire of relationship. And that's where you either <laughs> alchemize and grow together or you don't. And then you, you know, you shoot your partner in the liver and, and hear her squeal. Yeah. Yeah. So I wonder what the practice, what would the, the target training be to prepare yourself to engage with a, another human? And obviously when you're dancing, engaging with another human, you guys are both practicing with each other. That's the point, you know, but from your lens, cause you have more experience with, with relationship, like intimate relationship than I do as far as like long-term relationships and you have kids and you've been in poly relationships and monogamous and all that stuff. So I would like pass the ball to you. For- yeah. We've, I mean, we've, we've walked the, that was the thing too, you know, like we take poly for, for a moment. That's another firewalk. That's another big fucking ceremony. And I definitely don't rec- I mean, I'd take 30 grams. Don't fucking try that with your wife, <laughs> you know, unless you're really prepared. Um, why? 30 grams ends. Why is, poly, why, is, why is poly so, poly, so poly hard? Poly doesn't end, right? And so, like, uh, I mean, poly, what, that's a whole rabbit hole, but, but poly is hard. You know, reading Sex at Dawn, the reason it worked, and there's debate between Jamie Wheel and some of these other great thought leaders on if that actually was the case in uh, primal, primal tribes, um, but say that it was. You know, Paul Check did a great podcast on tribe. It's a solo cast. It's three hours. I'll have uh, my brother Jose link to it in the show notes. And one of the things he said is that all tribes have a shared myth. They have a shared ethos. Uh, they have their same understanding of God. And they don't, there's no question to that. If they have questions, the kids go to the elders and the elders hold that. And sometimes there's multiple stories of origin. There's multiple stories of things and that's all collectively held. But there is also baked into that equation is a, a system for conflict resolution and a team of people that have been gifted with the knowledge of life experience to help with conflict resolution. Um, but they're starting from the same place. That's what I'm getting to on the myth, the ethos, the religion. In our society, we're not. We have completely different backgrounds, completely different traumas. Um, she's a Jew, I'm a Christian, whatever the case is. And so there's less, whole, there's less foundational tools that hold us in conflict resolution. There's less foundational tools that hold, and, and then look, I mean, even amongst therapists, I don't know a lot of marriages that have been saved from relationship counselors. I don't. I know a lot that fail when they go to relationship counseling. And that's not to say if you're in marriage counseling, you're fucking doomed to fail. That's not it at all. I just think that it's like the respirator. There must be, yeah, there must be more. <laughs> like, oh boy. <laughs> yeah. There's just, there must be more that really connects us. And, and I think this, you know, coming full circle, the things, the greatest gifts that I've had with Tosh are that she's always agreed. And, the things that we've done with the exception of Polly, and I'll talk about Polly in a second, but the things that have grown us are the unicity experiences that we share together. You know, it's, it's running a 10 K in the snow at Mount Charleston in Vegas. It's, um, 
spending the day at the beach on mushrooms. It's going to the Amazon. It's, it's doing all of these different things that have really, it's having a yoga practice that she leads me through, you know, and, and we really open ourselves up and dump energy and do breath work while we're in the process. We get back into our bodies together. It's doing those things together that continually refreshes us and reunifies us. Um, and it's having the hard conversations and being okay with that. It's, it's reading books. Like she had me read um, Five Love Languages right from the jump. We're both number one uh, touch. That's our highest uh, form of, of showing and receiving love. That made it easy, you yeah. know? That made it very easy. And, and, but I'm just saying, like, of all the relationships books, the sex books, the this and the that, we've done it together. It's not like, you know, I read it and was like, hey, you should check this out. And she was like, yeah, I'm busy. Yeah. You know, she always said yes. And she said yes to, to open relationship because a lot of the messages I was getting from medicine were directing me to that experience, not to fuck other people, but for growth. Yeah. And, and in particular, for the growth of us as human beings, of souls having a human experience, to be better guides for our children and uh, better parents. And the pressures of that situation was the, the, the firewalk, right? And ultimately what we discovered is our highest level is a fucking big attractive force. And anyone we bring in, um, you know, we've been, we've been living together for 10 years. Anyone we bring in is going to be a, super attracted to that, almost to the point of clingy or attached, Right, and if they haven't done their own work, they will get attached. And because monogamy is the primary collective consciousness, the morphic resonance of what we're used to, um, they may want us as a monogamous partner. And that was the case, right? So, with that, I think that that and then you know, more you read more than two in Ethical Guide to Polyamory, they really talk about that being a big a big problem for polyamorous couples is people that only want to remain monogamous because then. It's never going to be even Stevens if they don't have their own primary. It's never just going to work out that way. So we, you know, we learned all those things in the firewalk, and it did make us better, and it brought us back to each other in a way where if I hadn't experienced that, I wouldn't appreciate her the way that I do. You know, having somebody else, having a girlfriend who didn't want to eat the way that we did, didn't want to eat, read how to eat, move me healthy. It was just like, oh, this was shit we did in our first year. In our first year, we dumped gluten. In our first, and those are small-ass examples, but they actually matter in, in a relationship where you're going to spend a significant amount of time with somebody. Um, all my buddies back home, they want to drink beer and, and you know, watch football. That's cool, but I can't do that all the time. I'm on to bigger shit, you know, I'm on, and I like different drugs. You know, I'll have a, a drink every now and then, maybe a handful. I can count on one hand probably how many times I drink in a year. Um, there's better ways for me to have an altered state of consciousness. There's better ways for me to celebrate. And even though there's no judgment there from them, like when I'm like, hey, I'm going to microdose acid at your wedding. Cool. They're cool with it. You know, or if I want to have Kratom to party instead of alcohol, no one's like, dude, have a drink. You know, they're cool with that. Um, but at a certain point, that becomes the thing that's not filling the cup. And, and that was certainly the case with our other partners. Um, it was more work than was. Um, the fruits of the relationship. Uh, the 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 thread that I wanted to touch back on was I like the concept of you know embodied cognition or the way that the things that we're doing you know this the 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 texture of this room the density of this table the temperature of the room 
the, the ambient sounds, all those things, like they, they, they change our physiology. And you were talking about doing stuff with your significant other, in this case, Tosh, um, that being like a, like a bonding experience. And this connects over to another thing that, that relates to athletics and, and trin- f- focusing uh, either intrinsically or extrinsically. So when we're, fo- say, like you're hitting a golf ball, if you could be focused intrinsically on what's happening inside your own body, so you could be wrapped up in like, you know, make sure you get the external rotation in the shoulder girdle or feeling the pressure driving into the big toe or something like that. Or you can put your focus extrinsically into, you know, the ball or into something outside of yourself. And what happens with that when you do put the, that focused extrinsic instead of compared to intrinsic, um, we end up being way more effective at life. We self-organize. You know, so when we get too wrapped up inside of our own heads, inside of our own selves, it kind of gets confusing because it's hard to juggle all the, you know, you 640-odd muscles and 360-odd joints, and it's just like a lot of stuff for you to be able to engage with and juggle with in yourself. But if you can bring that attention outside of yourself, then suddenly you run a lot better. You self-organize around a point. And when you're working with, you know, say another person, you want to connect with somebody, a beautiful uh, tool that you can do is go to an event. You know, you could go to really anything. Go to like a musical show or go to, you know, watch a movie or something that you guys can both extrinsically engage with to self-organize and harmonize with each other. And it makes you become more like synchronistic. It makes you become more more like unicity. You become more like each other. And then you're like, oh, wow, I can kind of like, I've, I feel this familiarity in you. It's like, oh, it's because we're, we're like, we're, we're, we're clocking with each other. We're like attuning to each other. And the more that you can do that in a relationship or in a friendship or a business relationship or anything, um, I think the more successful that relationship becomes because you become mirrors and reflections to each other. And ultimately, you know, we like that. Yeah, and if you're reflecting the good vibes, you know, because you're doing experiences that are healing or just uplifting, you know, we, we had a – and it shit changes too. Like uh, Dr. Will Tegel told me this. Um, his wife, Judith, just passed away. He's 81 now. Um, she had a long battle. Uh, and I actually haven't seen him, you know, since since her passing. But, you know, as i was been working with him um, – he was well aware, you know, it's not like it was a shock. Um, but he talked about how he's had multiple marriages with her throughout their marriage, you know? And so one of the, um, I think the Muskegee, Muskogee, uh, Creek, uh, tribe talked about having this annual renewal of agreements. So every January they would sit and, and go over the agreements of the tribe, go over the agreements of the marriage, the relationship, and they would discard things that no longer proved valuable and they would add stuff where it needed to be based on the needs of the tribe or the marriage. And then they would um, you know, re-agree basically to what agreements worked in the past. And so it was always fresh. It's a living marriage. It's not like you signed this contract 10 years ago and you fucking, you're the same people 80 years later. We're always changing, you know? And so I think about that, you know, my marriage with Tosh, we have had several marriages. We had the marriage as, as Will pointed out, we were married in our relationship prior to Bear's arrival. 
We were married when Bear came. We had the marriage with Bear. We were married when we opened our marriage with Bear. And we were married with Wolf and Bear in a closed marriage, you know? And so, like, all of these these things are different marriages, and they all have different requirements. You know, like, our, we had a date night the other night where we watched Dune, and it was in bed <laughs> with a laptop and a splitter, the same splitter we're using right now to listen to each other. We had headphones in, you know, little earbuds, and we watched Dune from a, uh, a MacBook Air. And it's like, it's not the same as going to the theater, but that's, that's what re- is required for us to fucking have a good time right now and to not come home to screaming children and, and a clingy wolf who's only one years old. You know, like, like, let's just roll with that and lean into it. And it was fucking awesome, doing super dope. You know, but it was a great experience that we got to share together. We're snuggling. I almost prefer it to go into the movies because we got to lay right next to each other and it was super comfortable. And, um, you know, we didn't have to drive anywhere. We just roll right over and and go back to sleep. And um, so I think of things like that, like the willingness to to grow together, the willingness to to say yes to the uncertainty and the willingness also um, to let go of the needing to be right. And the... And at the same time, the willingness to change and adapt over time, because whatever those agreements are at first and, and um, however useful they prove to be, a fresh relook at those things really does matter. And that should be true of, of where you work. It should be true of your role at the job you have. It should be true of, of, of every relationship you hold, because everything's dynamic. You know, like the only constant here is change in the 3D. So the more we say yes to that um, and really take inventory of our lives, we, that increases our awareness around the things that are working and the things that aren't. It gives us uh, a greater sense of freedom in the choices that we have on what we, what we elect, who we choose to be going forward. Yeah. When you guys are watching Dune and you guys are both tapped into the splitter you have the headphones in, going back to the, the, the same previous thread of like the harmonization and all that stuff. Um, I think that that's what you're doing is like you're re-clocking to each other, you know, by sharing that mutually, you know, this extrinsic extrinsic experience where you're both engaging outward into the screen and having the audio experience, but you're also synchronizing to each other. And that harmony between two people, it feels good. It feels like music. You know, and when you have... When I, I wonder if there's some kind of like musical conversation to couples starting to deharmonize, mm. you know, and come apart. And then I think that if you do have like maybe like a side piece or something, or you got like another life, like some people have kids and wives that their wife doesn't know about, you know, and so having that other synchronicity over there, that other harmonization over there. And then having to reharmonize back into this other space, and then having to retune and reharmonize back into this other space, it can be, I think, probably quite convoluted. And oh, confusing absolutely! And like to feel like cacophony. The and then eventually it's like, well, how long can we keep running this? The lie. Well, yeah, the, the, <laughs> the lie or this, 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 just this lack of harmony. This you know? is a beautiful conversation. I mean, they're always great, but in particular to me because. Um, my intention at the beginning of this year was twofold. Number one, I wanted to heal my relationships to plant medicine because a year ago today I was in hell from fucking dark night of the soul with five MEO. And I I talked about that on the, uh, dark night of the soul solo cast that I did. But 
it's been a year, you know, solstice was yesterday and I was like, oh shit, I've come a long way. Thanks to Paul and uh, check and thanks to the work that I've done. But it was to heal my relationship with the medicine because I've gained so much from it. And two, uh, the biggest, the biggest one, the overarching one was I am in harmony with myself. I am in harmony with my family and I'm in harmony with God. And that word's interchangeable to nature, the all consciousness, humanity, society, it's everything. Everything outside of me and my family, which we're not outside of, we're not separate, but looking at those those three things, that's really, you know, my inner circle of me, but the next concentric circle of family in importance, and then the broadest circle of everything that I see and experience in the world, which directly affected the dark night of the soul because of what I was seeing in the world at the time when I went into that ceremony. Um, so yeah, harmony. I think that's, that's such a, a key, a key piece there. You know, even in, in the thing too with Polly is that even when it is on the up and up, right. And it's not in secrecy and you're not holding a lie and, uh, you have made a new agreement to do it and you refresh that agreement like, Hey, let's keep going. This is hard, but let's keep trying it. Um, and everyone's on board. One of the things that really shifted my perspective on this, it was so, it's something that I had a feeling about but couldn't put words to. Jamie Wheel put words to it when he was on the podcast, and he said, you know, in all of his talks at Burning Man and with different groups that had done um, not mandatory open relationship, but it was a prominent thing amongst their the, the permaculture you know, events that are permaculture societies that were growing in Costa Rica and different parts of the world, Dominer in uh, Northern Italy. And uh, one of the things he said was, anything under 50 doesn't work. You know, Dr. Dan told me that too. Anything under 50 doesn't work. What these experts, like if you're living in a polyamorous situation, you need more than 50 people. Otherwise it's too hard. There's too much attachment. You know, so like again, that broadens it Hold back on, to Chris Ryan. Polyamorous situation. You're, more fit, you're talking about like a tribe, or like not 50, fi- partners? not 50 partners. What do you, what Dan was saying, Dr. Dan Engel was saying, was that to do it with less, you don't have the container for conflict resolution. You don't have the container of I see you having the same hard experience as me. How did you get through it, right? And so, you know, in in a smaller group, uh, it makes it a lot harder. And in the larger group, it makes it a lot easier. It doesn't mean it's not hard, but that's something Dan said. Uh, what Jamie Willett said on the podcast was, in all of his talks with all these you know, different groups that have done it and done, been successful with it through all the troubles and, and, and everything, um, it's still not the, the, the thing you think it is. People come and go. You know, like you move into this thing, you do it for 10 years, and you're like, fuck it, I can't hang. I got to get out, right? And then someone new comes in. and then, So it's always shifting and evolving. It's, it's not like I'm painting a picture of something that's constant. But one of the things he said universally in all of that he you know, has tracked in his learning was you can have a primary partner or a, a husband or a wife or like your primary, like this is my person, even though we say fuck marriage, right? This is my person. You can have children. You can have extra partners, boyfriends, girlfriends, flings, whatever. And you can have a vocation. And the vocation is not just your job, how you pay the bills. It's not the post office or Amazon delivery. Those, are, those aren't bad things, but they're not vocation. Your vocation is like your gift to the world, the thing that wakes you up and keeps you going through the job, 
that you don't like, the thing that drives you the most, the thing that you're most passionate about. It's the thing that you, uh, it's your greatest gift. It's your legacy you leave, right? That vocation, he said, so primary, children, extra partners, vocation, pick three. Anyone that chooses four will bleed themselves too thin that all other relationships start to crumble. You will fail as a father or a mother. You will fail as a husband or a wife. You will fail uh, in, in succeeding with your extra partners. You will fail in your vocation. No one amongst the thousands of people he's talked to that have done it the longest says they can pull off all four. And right when he said that, I was like, fuck, man, that's it. That's totally it. Like I was at the point, I think I said on the podcast, I'd rather learn Native American flute than have, or, or handpan. I'd rather learn handpan than have a girlfriend. It's too demanding having a vocation and having kids and having my wife. Who so Paul is really one. exclusively available for people without kids then, essentially is what you're saying. Or if you have kids and you're married, or you could, you could have kids and be divorced, or you could have kids and be married and not have a vocation, you know, where your vocation, and, and look, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. Let me want to be super clear on this. To, to say, like somebody might initially say, all right, you're married, you have kids, and you have extra partners, and you do nothing for the world then. No, you have kids. That's the fucking, that's numero uno for the future. That's number one. And as long as you're not stretching yourself thin with that, uh, extra partners can be a beautiful thing if it's harmonious to your kids, especially to your kids. You know, people are like, what about the children? What about the children? Um, to this day, uh, the partners that we selected, only one each, are very much involved in our lives. They're very much still auntie and uncle. They're very much still a part of the equation, you know, and, they're, and we love them and we have a working relationship with them. It just didn't work with the physical tie. You know what I'm saying? And that doesn't exclude us from um, play parties and shit like that in the future because those are one-off singular events where we do come in with the same intention and when we leave that night, we go home with each other. Right? There's no, hey, mom's sleeping at so-and-so's house or any of the com- those hard conversations we didn't need to have with our kids that, that, that people uh, eventually do have if they have kids. And that, that doesn't, that's not to say that that's an insurmountable hill you can't climb. It certainly is. And I know people that have kids that have made that work. And they're fucking awesome parents. They're awesome partners. And I fucking love them dearly. Um, they do a great job. You know, but but to say that you can have all four, I think that's really what he was getting to. You know, it does stretch one too thin. It does become a a, a thing where you're like, I can't keep up. You know, and, and one of the things, if we stay connected to technology, is this up ramp. And we've talked about this before. You know, like kids, the the screen time they can measure. The average screen, the average video kids watch has become shorter and shorter and shorter over time, right? You know, 15-minute videos don't do it. It's a five-minute video. Five-minute videos are out. It's a one-minute video. One-minute videos are out. Go to TikTok, you know, get a fucking 15-second roll, whatever the case is. It's shorter and shorter attention spans. The counter to that is this, long-form media through podcasting, uh, larger videos on YouTube, those kind of things, and conversation, right? Um Oh, man, I just lost my thread here. How does a person, something that happens to me occasionally is, well, not occasionally, pretty consistently, is a, like, thirst for sexual variety Uh upon engaging in a a more, like, you know, 
like a monogamous relationship to me historically makes me veer into wanting what I can't have. Yeah. And it feels very immature, but it's it's something that I I witness in myself where it's like, okay, once that's, once that's the case, suddenly I'm like, oh man, variety would really make me feel way hotter for this person that it, I'm in love it, with. It does. You know, that was a cool side effect was it was like, but then having, I don't want to hurt the person. Right. And I don't want to, it's like, I don't know if the, the relationship doesn't have roots even yeah. yet to, to sustain that unless yeah. we're both engaged in the same kind of, and then that makes it harder. Right. So they talk about that in more than two where if, and then if all can I entertain are, them having variety? Cause mm-hmm. then I get too jealous. I'm very immature. Yeah. Well, it's, it's the, these are <laughs> variety for me. We were, we weren't, we, weren't, we weren't brought up that way. That's an important thing to understand. We're not brought up that way. And as, as Paul Cech stated, you're not just going against your own thoughts around the issue. You're going against the morphic resonance of the whole field of the collective. And that's a lot to unpack. You know, the, 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 the seeking of novelty is always going to be there. Your attraction to other people is always going to be there. That's why you're like, oh, creepy old man was looking at that 20-year-old running by. It's like he doesn't fucking see himself as 70. Right. He sees the hot 20-year-old the same as he did when he was fucking 20 (laughs) or 15 looking up at the 20-year-old saying like, oh, man, if I had her, right? right? Um, That doesn't go away. And as soon as we can acknowledge that, then we can actually, you know, dispel the creepiness around that. And this isn't saying like fucking 80-year-olds should be with 15-year-olds or any of that stuff. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying like the, the fire stays alive, right? We do want novelty. And with that... If we can acknowledge that, there are different ways to get that and that there are templates that make things a little easier. And one thing that, that Jamie brought up was like on, from a global perspective, conservative versus liberal, um, especially when it comes to psychedelics. We talked to Aleister Crowley and, and how many cohorts of his died you know, in his sex magic practices. Like the, the reason there are rails set up or the reason when you go to the triple black diamond and it's a triple black diamond and it says, do not go on this side of the park is because this side of the park is deadly. So they show you where to go. They're way showers, and within a container, you are safer, right? So, so it's, it's hard for us to track how do we appropriately do that, uh, poly, with less containers that have worked out successfully. It's, it's, a new th- it's, a, it's not new to the game of humanity, but it's new in rekindling that. Um, what do you think we do with pedophilia well that's a whole dog we can dive into that but but really really what i want to get to on this is that you know that don't feel guilty about wanting other people don't feel immature about about wanting other people that doesn't go away uh and truthfully having another partner made me love tosh more and be more attracted to her because i was like oh we know we have some perfection there's a level of i know every spot on you to get to i've mastered in some ways your body and she mine Right. And then the newness is like, oh, this is dope. It's new relationship energy. It's strange. It feels different. She's better at this or worse at this or whatever the case is. That's different. And the different is awesome. But the different also highlights how awesome my partner is. And that was a beautiful side effect. Um, What Jamie was speaking to is that once you've built that, you know, 10 years, 15 years of being with somebody, you know, your ability to bring someone up to that level they're always at a disadvantage. They'll never fucking make it there. You, there's nothing you can do. There's no plant medicine. There's no sex um, practice 
that gets someone the extra 15 years that you have with the partner you're with, right? It just doesn't work that way, or even five years for that matter. So don't try to make them that. And what you're seeking can be done with your primary, and that's really what Recapture the Rapture is all about. It's like we're seeking novelty, we want peak experience, and we can do that. And he has, you know, the A to Z, like here's your low-hanging fruit, own meditations that rev her up, uh, uh, semen retention for you that rev you up and keep you ready to go at all times. That's non-drug, can be done fairly easily, it can be consistent, so you're always turned on, and then you live, as, as Czech says, libido is not just your sex drive, it's life force energy, right? So you raise the life force energy of each other. Now what can you create? What can you do together? How easy is it to dissolve conflict, right, from that space? And then you can enter into different uh, peak experiences, you know, uh, every full moon or once a month or whatever, you know, and 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 look, I haven't done much of this with Tosh, but I'm seeing a door that leads to a whole new set of experiences with her that we get to try and we don't get to try yet I have to be patient. I have to wait for that until both of our kids are in school and we can actually have the house to ourselves. I have to wait for that to, to you know, get a babysitter when they're both babysitter age. And instead of going to the movies and dinner, we hire the babysitter. We fucking do hotel roulette. We find a five-star hotel that's super cheap the night of, and we go there and destroy the place doing sex magic on a variety of chemicals that have been uh, prescribed to us. And we fucking do the peak experience that is completely novel. That is not just the experience of ultimate orgasm and bliss, but the experience of unicity where it's a fucking psychedelic altered state of consciousness done in unity. And he has the maps for that. And so that to me is like, oh, I get it. I get that. And I, do, and I haven't experienced it yet. I mean, we have on the tail end of mushrooms in the past had peak fucking sexual experiences that are like nothing else. And it doesn't, the, one of the beautiful things about that in the conversation of hungry ghosts is that it's satiating. It's not something where I now demand that. Every time we fuck, we got to have psilocybin. Like that would get old quick, right? It's one of those where it's like, holy shit. Um, that wasn't the primary reason we did ceremony, but on the back end of ceremony, wow, there's nothing like that, you know? And, and for me to understand that there are ways to do that without the heroic dose of psilocybin, that to me is really cool because it is satisfying the need for novelty, even though it's not here yet. Yeah. Pedophilia. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, so I think with the, with the, the, the variety, the thing that one can do that you're, expanding on and this is i think it's pretty obvious but creating variety within the experience of of you know the container of a single individual and so i think if you're doing the same thing over and over again like any person no matter who it is the hottest whatever actor your person in your dreams doing the same thing with them over and over again it gets old it's like listening to your favorite song you know it's like wow that song just like like i was like um, like brought me to tears the first 18 times I listened to it and now I, I kind of can't stand it. You know, mm-hmm. I just if I hear another freaking same thing. It's like, I already get it. Like we, we, we demand that and we can engage in that with another person by going to the hotel thing or maybe altering consciousness could be an option. And then also acknowledging that altering consciousness can mean so many things, which is a thing that I always lean back anytime we're talking about psychedelics. And hey, whatnot. The like full, you're always full breakdowns in there, right? Yeah, the full breakdowns. Yeah, change, yeah changing, listening, changing your filter. Listening to... Um, but environmental changes really do a pretty impeccable job at changing the filter. You know, and that's the... We've talked about this before as well, but I, I, I think that it's such a 
appropriate language to describe psychedelics as a trip, you know, because it literally is like that's one version of trip. Another version of trip is taking your significant other to Italy, you know, and going on a litter. We got on an airplane and we stayed in this new place and it's new languages and new food and new tech cobblestone streets. And it's all this is like, wow, like what a trip. And you come back and it completely changes, you know, your perception of your partner in the world. Hell yeah. 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 I'm with all that. And, and, you know, what you're speaking to, like, just from a music standpoint, we have a state change from listening to the best of Tchaikovsky or Christmas music or fucking the new hip hop or, and it's, there's, there's I, I listen to all, you know, I listen to country now that I'm in Texas and dig it. Um, Country's the, cool. The state, it fucking certainly is. There's something nice about it. I've yeah. never liked country. Mm-hmm. It's like the, I've always like, whenever people ask like, what's your favorite music? I'm like, anything but country. Like that's like, yeah, like a very, that was my standard very back typical, in the day. Typical response. But there's something about being in Texas and listening to country. Like we were driving out to the, the, the Aubrey ranch the other, the other day. And, uh, listening to country on the way there and like watching you know freaking birds flying by and going through fields and all that stuff and it's just like there's something maybe it's like the simplicity of it you know it's just about like your beer and your truck and your girl you know it's it's there's something really really lovely about it actually i'm like i'm changing my mind about it have you had that experience since moving out here like the Absolutely. Envi- like the environment potentiates the, the music. Yeah. Your well, no doubt. The I mean, environment that you're every, living in. every time when I grew up, I wasn't a fan of mariachi. And the second I went to Mexico and heard it live, I was like, this is the fucking jam. You know, we have a neighbor who passed away uh, earlier this year, a uh, big Mexican dude, you know, and his a big Mexican family that all lives there. And he loved Bear. You know, we do, he was the only other guy in the block that had a banana tree. So Bear would always talk to him. He was like, when are you going to get bananas? You know, and great, great dude. Loved gardening like we do. And um, he passed away. And uh, they had the funeral. You know, we weren't, it was my neighbor. It's not like I you know, was invited to his funeral. But we did get invited to the celebration they had um, in front, in front of their house, outdoors, where they brought in the same mariachi that played at his funeral. And they had the urn there. And a, and a bunch of pictures of him throughout his life and his kids were there. And, and it was, it, it was just a, a very felt experience, you know, that, that really mattered. But like that, that thing, the, 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 where you're at, yeah. you know, with the music, it does, it does make a huge difference. It's, it's interesting. No doubt. The, the, the thought, I think it's easy. Like I tend to hold my ideas very lightly, you know, and my opinions very lightly. Cause I'm like, I've just witnessed them change with, such great consistency over the years and things that I felt really strongly about suddenly, you know, six months later, I learned some new information or I have an experience. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I totally disagree with myself from six months ago. And I think it's an interesting thing to, to um, reflect or observe of like our idea and like our tastes of what we like, because so much of what we like is based off of our environmental conditions. You know, and so you'd like mariachi music or country music or really anything. Like a, like the, the idea of, of identifying with a specific music of like, this is what I like. I think almost unanimously, it's a product of just the environment that you grew up in. You know, it's, yeah. like, it, it's, it's almost it's like a, religion. In yeah, a the concept <laughs> of what you like is, it's, I think it's, it's like way, way, um, 
I don't know, less grounded or, or fuzzier than we, what we think. Yeah. Well, it's, it's exposure, right? And the willingness, like we, from a relationship standpoint, Tasha and I both had a willingness to grow together. We had a willingness to change. And, uh, if you, that's just open, right? Not open relationship, but that's an open mind an open heart. And when you carry that to culture, when you carry that to people, to food, I know a lot of people that are like, ah, I wouldn't fucking try that. You know, I'm not going to try bull testicle or I'm not going to try this. Like, I'll try that, but I'm not going to try this. Like, if you're open yourself and you try it, there's better things than organ meat as far as flavor is concerned. But um, then you get to try it. And if you try it on, you're like, oh, this is fucking dope. Especially when it's in the con- the context and container of, of the people who brought it to you. Yeah. You know, like, I love eating Mexican food, but I love, love, love eating Mexican food with a mariachi in Mexico. Yeah. Like, that's the fucking jam, you know? So, um. Yeah, I think it's, it's you know, are you willing to connect to that and open yourself up to receive yeah. something else? And if you do that enough, then you're like, it just expands you. Yeah, if you're too clingy to your, uh, this is another like charged word with lots of different subjective meanings, but your ego or like your personality uh, or your id, you know, or whatever, you know, whatever you want to say, say about, um, then you will be more restricted in your capacity to derive joy from the the plethora of circumstances that we have available. Yeah. Yeah, you're you're speaking like uh, the identity. Yeah. Right? Like how you identify. Yeah, it's like, "Oh, I'm not, you know, I'm not a well, and that's, I'm not gay. I'm not gay. <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> like I'm not in the country. I'm not, you know, whatever the thing is. It's like you're yes, and you are because you are everything that ever was and ever will be. Uh and and if you are more flexible in in your identity structure and then you can be placed into a mosh pit or a classical music venue and be equally moved by that experience you know it's like bruce lee martial arts stuff you know it's like they be like water and then if you're too squishy then you have no containment so then you get into like elements and like well that's why you want to be also like wood you know and also be like fire you know, and that, I think that that really gets into like being like a, like a, a, a master of this, this life thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, that too, what you're speaking to is, um, you know, archetypically in King Warrior Magician Lover, the, the, the shadow archetype of the lover is one that seeks love with the infinite. And that can show up as the Don Juan archetype, you know, the Casanova who, who fucks everyone but's never satisfied with it. That can show up as the drug addict who's constantly seeking the next high but never gets satiated from it. Um, and then, you know, what balances these, the king and the magician balance each other and the warrior and the lover balance each other. The warrior knows structure. It knows balance. It has clarity and discernment. And it serves the highest ideal of the kingdom, the highest ideal of... Aaron Alexander or Kyle Kingsbury, the highest ideal of my family, the highest ideal of our community, of the world itself. And through that service, sees clearly and, and faces life frontally. There's no wishy-washiness about it. There's no, um, it's steadfast in its approach to life. And so those two really balance each other. And uh, every, you know, I, I imagine since this, we're in the eternal now, and everything that has ever happened or will ever happen is happening in this moment, that we have access to that. We have access to balance ourselves and harmonize where we're at by saying yes to the next experience or the now experience that, that helps us expand and that helps us you know, find 
uh, our center and then move out from that center and then find the center again and then move out from that center. And I think as we do that, if we're not tied up in the illusion of identity and, and uh, I'm think of all the fucking genders right now, you know, it's like, okay, that's a way to know yourself. Are you mad at any of that? No, I think, I think it's a, it's a, it's, um, the Madness of Crowds by Douglas Murray, I've mentioned it a thousand times on this podcast, really illuminates the, the pitfalls of some of that thinking. But truly, I mean, I, I, like, I'm at the point where it's like, if you want me to call you dolphin, I'm fucking down. I'll call you dolphin. Um, it doesn't bother me either way. If you're an adult and you choose to say, like, I'm a fucking sprite from Ireland, you know, and I... Uh, whatever fairy or this or that you wear wings everywhere cool or your mermaid cool um that's cool it's when we we you know the parts around that that make it sticky is we should have children select that we should have children decide which sex they are we should have children decide gender we should have children you know and it's like whoa 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 we don't let them vote we don't let them drive we don't let them drink alcohol there's a whole number of an infinite number of reasons for that um and ultimately, on a spiritual level, it's like structure creates freedom. Yeah, you know, excessive freedom creates contraction. Yeah, and, play, well, and we're play, we're play oscillating over. back and forth between this, right? So that the idea then, if if we're, you know, the pendulum swinging wider and wider in the division, and at the same time, it's waking a lot of people up to the point that this is an infinite expression of self, where we can find harmony in the chaos, and that contraction that we're going to see is a contraction back to harmony because all we see right now, uh, not in nature, but in the nature of, of society where we're at right now, a lot is chaos. A lot is disharmony. A lot is division. And I think that ultimately will rebound us to a point of harmony before we experience the next 80 year cycle of a high an awakening, uh, an unraveling and a crisis. Yeah. And it's interesting. The, the one that is, uh, Something along the lines, Plato said something like excessive democracy leads to, to I think, tyranny or authoritarianism. Oh, wow. He called it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the same thing. So that's like, you know, as as below, as above, so below. You know, like the, the, the way that culture operates is comparable to the way that the human body operates. Um, and, you know, forgive my relating like everything that we talk about back to the body, but it's like the primary lens that I'm always kind of trying to poke into but i mean that's the way it works in in the body as well like you have basic fundamental guidelines on how to move effectively and how to integrate the system so that you you know it's like learning classical ballet you know you go in you you create those foundations understanding you know spinal neutrality or intra-abdominal pressure or you know just general full body integration or alignment and then that potentiates the freedom to start to go into some more like wobbly, wacky, wild type formations, but you still have integrity while you navigate those different movement patterns. And I think that's the thing that we sometimes see in like the new age psychedelic kind of, not always psychedelic, but like the new age, the way that people like the stereotypical new agers move sometimes is very ungrounded. You know, and then like they go to ecstatic dance and they do the same. These are the things that I enjoy. I like I like to go to ecstatic dance or whatever. But oftentimes you see kind of the same like ungrounded, unstable, wobbly, 
you know, like the what's the what's the floaty guy in front of car dealerships? He just like goes wibbly wobbly wack, you know, <laughs> yeah, whatever. Right? A family guy, yeah, whatever that guy. <laughs> you see a lot of that, you know, and if it were an excessive amount of that, that body isn't really able to derive power, you know. But if we can marry the two, you know, marry democracy and you know you know marry the you know the opposite of that and marry democrats and republicans and like libertarians and gay and hetero and black and like all of that that's i think where it's like then you're really again coming back to like then you're getting like master level but if you're excessively myopic or or tunnel vision with any one one stance i think it's just like a limited human experience in a way and it leads you to being like you know less able to kick ass yeah and and suffering right you know because there's there's yeah instant instability leads to suffering yeah it might feel cool at first Woo! like no rules yeah (laughs) yeah yeah! that was cool for like two days (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, burning man ended all right (laughs) back to the grind Yeah. 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 There's, there's, there's a ton of truth in that. Yeah. Well, well, look, we've got uh, a short while left here. You yeah. just reimagined, retuned, redesigned your book. Yeah. Talk line about method. that, brother. Yeah. Um, yes, the line method. We have a expanded, revised version coming out January 11th. Which I don't know when this goes out, but it's it'll you know it'll be out in two days. So probably a little oh, bit before that. Oh snap! Yeah. All right. Well, so you get it for uh, it's up. You know, it's up on Amazon for presale, and it'll be in bookstores and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, the book essentially it is the um, it's connecting the dots from the the masters that I've gathered information from, ranging from you know like Andrew Huberman. He helped out with the the visual chapter and had. Know, Brian McKenzie and and Patrick McEwen helped with the breathing chapter. Had Kelly Starr help out. Had you know Wim Hof went through the breathing chat. Like had like all these really impeccable, amazing minds. You know, had the opportunity to be able to bring their concepts and their ideas together into one book. And I, I think that the thing with you know you or I, and maybe 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 a lot of people listen to this. We have it's our vocation to engage with reading all these individual books you know and then recording the podcast with them and then taking the notes and you know but for most people i think that it's it's really valuable for us to have a um a simplistic digestible manual on how to drive this body and i think it's just it's like unbelievable that we've never gathered that in elementary school like we learn how to do but not how to be we don't understand how to, the mechanics of, of breathing and the fact that you are just covered in all of these toggles, these levers that cause your physiology to maybe upregulate and be more attentive, you know, and ready to go, or maybe downregulate and be available for sleep and rest and digestion and healing. Um, and it's just, I mean, it's just generally, it's just interesting to me that culturally that's not something that's just baked in. You know, and so what the align method is is it it is that manual. I think that we 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 really did nail it on creating a concise, easy to digest manual of pretty much everything you would need to know if you were an alien and you were incarnated into a human body. And it was like, okay, like how do I work this thing? You know, how do I leverage the power of touch or the power of you know sound or the power of smell or taste or 
my vision or, you know, how do I get leverage out of my, this body? You know, like, well, the hips, they seem important. <laughs> like, they're, they're real big, they're real strong. You know, like, how do I, what's the baseline of how to drive this body really effectively? Um, you know, and that's, that's what the Align Method is. And we added a new chapter in the end as well. That's, uh, it's kind of like the, the Align Bikram movement flow. You know, where it's just, it's 22 positions, and it's like a, a, a an easy way for someone to go through, you know, from feet to feet to hands, and just clean up all the diff- different little nooks and crannies of their their joints. Um, and so that's the the addition at the end is is just really focusing on movement. You know, people that they can like an integrational movement specifically. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited about it. That's that's out January 11th, but up for presale now the aligned method fuck yeah brother we'll link to that in the show notes mm-hmm. i absolutely love you i love every time we get a chance to sit and chat yeah man me too and uh always more to come yeah. uh your podcast the aligned podcast and we'll get one with you on there whenever i'm down um if people are interested people listen to this probably would like like the the bruce lipton have you done one with bruce lipton uh i did and oh, i good. recorded over it ah yeah, I threw, no. I threw that Zoom. It was an H4. I threw that in the trash after that trip. Uh, I had five podcasts. He was one. But Bruce Lipton is is a hero of mine. He has, I've often referred to him on this podcast. He's, oh, cool. uh, yeah, he's, he's great. Got, yeah. He was the well, first one that turned me on. His, his book, Biology Belief, turned me on because I was really, uh, I did an Instagram post yesterday about this. It was like an Arnold Schwarzenegger. He was talking in the background, talking about, you know, whatever, how he does bodybuilding and stuff, but inspirational thing. But it was an interesting thing to have that reflection of I became really almost like unhealth, not almost completely unhealthily obsessed with bodybuilding 20 years ago. And it was a very interesting thing to, uh, one, just it was, it was kind of weird seeing, hearing that voice and like seeing a video of me doing kind of weightlifting stuff. And it's like, wow, like journey, you know, like what a, you know, life, 20 years. Um, but Bruce Lipton, you know, about two years into that bodybuilding journey, I got exposed to biology of belief and I was doing personal training at the time. And that was really like a, a pretty quintessential like catalyst for me to start to engage in a more of like a mind body conversation. So I owe a lot to Bruce Lipton being like a, like a pathway. Oh yeah. So it was very cool to get to, you know, go out to his house in California and, he lives yeah. right down the street from my dad. Oh, cool. Yeah, super cool. Yeah, he gave me, he gave me a, a jar of homegrown cannabis. <laughs> That's dope, yeah, dude. Yes, so I had my, I like, I, that was a pretty cool, I, I had like my, my jar of Bruce Lipton ganja. It was, <laughs> like, my, Lipton. It was, it was like my idol. I had wow. Like, I had, yeah, I had, that goes on the shrine. I mean, I you can't smoke like, it. You just <laughs> stare at it and appreciate it. Yeah, when I went, when I went home, I sat that down. I was like, all right, I've, you know, I've, I've arrived. Yeah. Like this is the, when I was 16 to have this moment at you know 34 and be able like the jar from you know the man I was like okay cool like, powerful this is you know we're, we're keep keep going hell yeah well yeah. we'll link to that in the show notes too so people can check that out I, I love Bruce and and have a fondness very similar brother yeah sweetie um, I appreciate you so much oh yeah thank yeah. you brother thank you thank you. Thank you.